Within is being brought to you by St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Hello, welcome back to Teens Tap In. We're your hosts, Madeline, Amelia, and Maggie, here today at the Outreach Teen and Family Services Office with a special guest, Colin Lothar. Colin will be sharing his personal experiences with mental health challenges. We will also dive deeper into continuum prevention for teens and young adults' mental health. All right, so I think we should really get a little bit of time to get to know each other better. So let's do some fast five questions. Where did everybody go to high school? Um, actually, I am still in high school. I go to Mount Lebanon High School. I went to Mount Lebanon as well. Very nice. Uh, I actually went to two high schools. My dad was Navy, so uh, I did two years of high school in Norfolk, Virginia at a school called Bishop Sullivan, and then two years of high school in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania at Trinity High School. Very cool. And I went to high school at Upper St. Clair. So there we go. Have some variety. I like it. What is everyone's favorite color? I personally really like like a pastel pink, like a baby pink. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's like subtle and it's like not like loud. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mine changes all the time, so it's really hard to just pick one. <laughs> That's fair. Um, what is it right now? Right now, it's like a yellow, like a Ooh. pale yellow. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds very nice. Yeah. <laughs> just like a nice color. I'm green all the way. I've been green my entire life. Can't, can't go wrong. So I'm orange all the way. Okay. I've been orange my whole life. In middle school, I wore, I wore orange every day. I had a choker that was orange. <laughs> Very nice. I wore a ponytail on top of my oh head that was orange. <laughs> and I very much enjoy that color to this day. Okay, let's do another one. At the moment, what's your favorite drink? What's your go-to? Well, me, this has always been my, like, my favorite, but, like, I love sweet iced tea, and I have no idea why. It's just, like, always been my favorite. You know that about you. (laughs) You know that about me. Well, mine has currently been, um, Swiss Miss has a peppermint hot chocolate. I've been all over that, so multiple a day. (laughs) should probably calm down with that, but that's where I am right now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Mountain Dew, and I wish I wasn't, because... (laughs) It's probably not good for me, the amount I drink, but yeah, it's, it's definitely Mountain Dew. I am so boring. I seriously just love water. I knew oh, it was going to be water. I water, knew it was going to be water. Okay, here, here, but with some lemon. I'm always cold, so hot water and lemon. I think I'm a, a, a grandma at heart, but that's my... <laughs> oh my God. It's healthy, so... That's my I mean, you're not wrong. It is healthy. That's my drink. Um, what's something you're grateful for? Oh, I need time to think about this. You can go. I already have one. Um, Sarah's Chocolate. Shout out to Sarah's. We are not sponsored by Sarah's, but we should be. Yes, if you would like to sponsor Sarah's, <laughs> you can contact me. Uh, dogs. I love dogs. I have one of my own at home, and he's the best thing ever, and I, I will always be thankful for dogs. Oh, Colin, you took my answer. Dogs are for sure one of my favorite things about life, Um, especially my dog, Allie. She is a yellow lab with a pink nose and she is a little firecracker, but um, yeah, she's so special to me. But now I wanna think of something else. So, (laughs) Amelia, did you think of yours yet? Oh yeah, um, I'm the opposite. I love cats. Mm -hmm. Like I've always loved cats. 
I don't know why. They're like feisty sometimes, and then they're like, oh, I love you. It's <laughs> nice. I think I would also say I'm thankful for my friends and family. Uh, I recently have gone through some trying times, and when you have people that just lean in and support you, um, yeah, it just means more than I think words can can really explain. So, yeah. Um, okay, last one, everybody. What are you most looking forward to in 2023? I'm going to need a second. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, well, there's a lot. There's a lot. I don't even, there are things that I'm probably going to look forward to that I don't even know about. So, <laughs> not yet, but because uh, I don't know. Can someone else go? So, like, yeah, you go. Uh, I'm graduating college in 2023, which, as you guys will hear soon, it has been quite a long road to get there. So uh, I'm very, very excited to be done with school and to uh, kind of move on to the next stage of my life. That is awesome. And where are you graduating from? Uh, Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. Very cool. Very cool. And what's your degree in? Uh, Human services. So hopefully going into some sort of nonprofit uh, fundraising type work after graduation. Very cool, very cool. What am I looking forward to in 2023? I created these questions. I didn't <laughs> think of my answer. <laughs> oh my I think I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to just growing in um, my role here at Outreach. I've been the program manager now for a year, but there's a lot more work that I want to do to really help teens and family um, just live a life that is full and really have a focus on prevention and education and providing programming for the community that is helpful and really helps people know that we're just we're here for you and um, outreach is a is a really unique organization that is helpful for families to get a foot in the door to work with counselors on a variety of um, topics and from there we can help meet people where they're at and help them get wherever they want to go so yeah just looking forward to growing um, in my role oh uh, yeah now that I've had time to think um honestly just in 2023 like just dedicating now that I'm with outreach just dedicating a year to seeing how much I can change and how much I can impact other people's lives and their mental health and make them feel comfortable. Like just being a change, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. Being a change agent. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, I guess for me, it's kind of two things, like part, um, it's like self-growth. I'm looking forward to um, continuing that because th- my past, I guess the past two years has been a lot of that, mm-hmm. um, but I've, I've been really happy with the changes that I've seen in myself. I've just become like a, I don't know, just a much better person. So I'm looking forward to doing more of that. And also, um, you know, especially with speaking at our outreach event, I felt like that was really something that I enjoyed doing, like speaking, sharing my story, making a difference. Um, you know, Colin, like like you do, like you share your story and I, I really enjoyed that. So. Like you said, Amelia, like just, you know, um, making a change and being there for people. So love that. Yeah. All right. Um, we would like to thank St. Clair Health for being our annual sponsor.
At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. All right, so now we're gonna get into the content of today's episode. And Colin, I originally heard about you from a outreach board member, Shelly Franco, and she was like, Maggie, you have to listen to this podcast episode. It was on um, the Mental Wealth Podcast. And I listened and I found your personal experience with struggle to be very real. I felt like you were just very open and honest. And it, I just felt like, oh my gosh, this is, we. I want to have Colin on our episode. I feel like it's something that needs to be talked about more. And that's really what this podcast is meant to be a peer-to-peer resource to help teens navigate through transitions, as well as talk about uh, personal experiences, because there are people listening out there that can really resonate, and it can start meaningful conversations with other teens and and their families, hopefully. So um, we're so thankful to have you here. And I think I kind of want to start with high school for you like what was high school like and then uh kind of talking through that transition into going to college yeah so high school for me it's it's just funny looking back on it now because it is I don't really recognize the person I was in high school Mm. in my head okay yeah I was the man (laughs) I was I was the best thing that had ever happened to the high school I was on three sports teams and I was the kid who wouldn't have to bring books home and I would still get straight A's and um, I was lucky enough to get a full ride uh, ROTC scholarship for college the the following year. This is senior year of high school. Um, And I was just, I thought I was awesome. Mm -hmm. I was so cocky, nothing could touch me, nothing had ever gone wrong in my life. Um, And uh, I kind of assumed that was gonna continue uh, going into college and kind of for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, um, whew, was I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, high school was, it's just, it's funny looking back on it. Cause I, I really, really have changed quite so much since then. Um, but you know, I was looking at it now, I was a very, very big fish in a very, very small pond. Mm-hmm, um, so, mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, quite the quite the change going into college. Interesting. And even though you went to two different high schools, you found that that transition. What was that like for you? Um, you know, people always say like, "Oh, it must be hard being a military kid." You know, having to move around a bunch. I think I've moved like ten or eleven times, but okay. um, I always loved it. Uh, kind of got me all over the country. And at the time, I was super happy that I was moving high schools. I wasn't a huge fan of my first high school. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really have that group of friends that I you know, felt comfortable with. And so then when I moved and did find that group of friends, um, it was awesome for me. And then probably just inflated my ego a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah, it makes makes sense what you're saying. So then you finished high school. um, And where did you decide to go to school? So uh, I applied for the ROTC scholarship and I applied to a few different schools, but landed on University of Pittsburgh. Okay. I was not necessarily thrilled about that. It was not my first choice, but, um, you know, I was willing to give it a shot and, uh, 
you know, I went and after the first semester, uh, classes had kind of kicked me in the mouth a little bit. It was not, not as easy as high school was. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working on a engineering degree while also doing ROTC. So I was taking, I think like 20 or 21 credits my first semester. Wow. That's a heavy. It was a lot. Um, and trying to, you know, waking up at 5am every morning to go to ROTC stuff and, um, it went very poorly, like mm-hmm. very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of being like, okay, you know, this just means I need to study harder, buckle down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I convinced myself I was too dumb to do any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where this all started, my whole story. Uh, that was just the, the, the beginning of the self-deprecation that would, you know, go on for the next two, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, just absolutely convinced that not only was I not the smartest person in the room like I had been accustomed to, uh, I convinced myself that I was the dumbest person in the room. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. no amount of studying or asking for help would allow me to pass these classes. And so uh, I just, I, I still wanted to hold the persona of me being the perfect kid, so I didn't tell anybody about it. And uh, I, I figured I would just kind of hopefully figure it out in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did not. So with those types of thoughts that you started to have about yourself, I guess we could say self-deprecating, what did you then, so you were having these types of thought patterns, um, what did it lead to like your behavior? Very isolating. Um, I am not somebody who's ever really needed help from anybody up until that point. And so I didn't want to tell anybody that I needed help, whether it was my friends, my family, teachers, professors, anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I was alone, you know, I would cry and think all these horrible things and be depressed. And but then when I was out and about, uh, things were great. Yeah, school was going awesome. I loved ROTC. Um, And it was just it was it was a lot to go through, but I was convinced I needed to go through it by myself. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to interject here and say I did the exact same thing. And it's it's more common than people think to do. A lot of people who are depressed and have those feelings like that, they tend to be like, okay, I have to put on a mask so no one knows. Absolutely. Like, and that is just a perfect, perfect example of why if someone looks okay, that's not really enough. If you want to make sure someone's okay, you go and talk to them. Because a lot of people do put on a persona that they're okay when they're really not. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I always say mental illness, whether it's depression, anxiety, bipolar, whatever it is, has a really nasty way of isolating you and making you feel like you are the only person in the world who could possibly feel, be feeling like this. So why would I go to somebody when I know they're not going to understand? 100%. Or in my head, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no shot they're going to understand what's going on in my, in my head. So I'm just going to, I'm going to deal with it by myself. And that just makes things worse. Yeah, yeah. It really does. And I think that's why um, mental health is stigmatized because there's such a fear and it's a real fear of um, feeling misunderstood, which leads to deep feelings of loneliness and isolation. And a lot of the times those thoughts and feelings um, becoming more severe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, So then, Colin, take us through some of your journey, um, then starting to experience um, signs and feelings of depression. And um, did you start to experience, like, suicidal ideation? 
Yeah, so that was, you know, first semester freshman year. Um, and then over the course of the next two years, a okay. um, lot of depressed feelings. Yeah. Uh, eventually, people close to me kind of realized that um, I came home for a semester. So second semester, sophomore year, I was home in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I got on medication. I started therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, for me, those were just things on a checklist to get me back to college. So when the therapist said, what are you feeling? I said, I'm feeling great Mm -hmm. because then the therapist would sign off and I could go back to college. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was getting better kind of, but not really, you know, actually putting everything into it to, to get better. I just wanted to get back to college. I wanted to get back to my friends. I wanted to progress in life and feel like I wasn't falling behind. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I came back to school beginning of what would be my junior year. Um, I was taking medication. It was helping. School was going actually decently well. Um, And then one day I just stopped taking it. And like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know why. I probably woke up super early for ROTC and forgot to take my medication. Um, And then once I stopped taking it, there was no starting again. But nobody knew I I stopped taking it. And that's when things really went off the rails. Um, It picked like all the depressed feelings that had kind of ceased Mm-hmm. Um, they all came back like from right where they had left off mm-hmm. and then it just got progressively worse very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, suicidal ideations, hoping, you know, walking down the sidewalk, going to class that a car would run off the road and just end it. Um, at that point, not, you know, actively wanting to step in front of the car, but just hoping something terrible would happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I can still pretty vividly remember the time frame, the week where it changed from hoping something terrible would happen to planning something terrible to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was right around things right before Thanksgiving break, my, uh, junior year. Um, I went home, uh, parents asked how school was going. School was going great. I was failing all my classes. I hadn't been going to classes in weeks. Um, you know, how's ROTC going? Great. That actually, kind of true because if I didn't show up for ROTC people would notice Mm -hmm. Um, but by that point I knew what I was going to do my only option in my head I say this with air quotes uh, was to kill myself Mm -hmm. Um, I backed myself into a corner I didn't want to ask for help Um, I had failed all my classes I was going to get kicked out of ROTC I was going to get kicked out of PIT because my GPA was so low so I had to kill myself and then what so what do you feel like was um I can't ask for help. What do you feel like looking back that that there was so much avoidance there? It's a combination of a few things. Um, I think one of them just goes back to, you know, in high school where nothing had ever gone wrong in my life. So I didn't know how to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I didn't ever need help. School was easy. Sports were easy. You know, my life was easy. I have a great family. I didn't need help. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't know how. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the other things absolutely was this feeling that I wasn't allowed to because I was this tough man who was going to be in the Navy and I had to be able to, you know, do these things on my own. And, um, I was scared that if I asked for help, they would take my ROTC scholarship away. And that's the only thing I'd ever wanted to do with my life. So why would I go to them for help mm-hmm. with the fear that I wouldn't be able to graduate and commission into the military? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then, you know, I just, I didn't want to inconvenience anybody. I've always been like that. I, I don't want to feel like I'm putting my burden on somebody else, even though I have some of the best friends and family in the world and I know they would do anything for me. Mm-hmm. But this idea that I'm making their lives harder is just like terrifying. Mm-hmm. And like, it still is to a certain extent. I've definitely gotten better at it. But at that time, there was nothing in the world that would have made me ask for help. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. So then, um, you know, I went back for exam week after uh, Thanksgiving break. Um, I didn't take any of my exams. I didn't even go and sit for them because I was going to fail. I think I, for one of my classes, I needed like a 215% on the final exam to pass the class. So like, why would I go sit for it? Um, and that then I was saying goodbye to all my friends. Um, they didn't know that. Um, but, you know, just trying to enjoy my last few weeks or months with them. Um, just having as much fun as I could. And then I went home for Christmas break. Um, I say goodbye to my family, told them I passed all my classes and I was getting ready for next semester. Uh, celebrated Christmas with them, had a really good time, um, say goodbye to all of them. And then I came back up here to Pittsburgh for New Year's okay. um, for like one last hurrah, or that's what it was in my head at least. Um, Pitt had sent me an email that said if I, if I didn't sign up for classes by January 6th, I was going to be kicked out of my dorm. Um, so I knew... I had a deadline, Mm -hmm. which sounds terrible, but that's what I thought in my head. Uh, So New Year's Eve, uh, I celebrated with all my friends. We had a big party, got everybody together, um, had quite a bit to drink. And then around 1, 1.30 a.m., I locked myself in my room. um, And I took somewhere between like 70 to 100 of my antidepressants. Um, And, you know, the hope was I was never going to wake up again. Um, and so the next morning I I can kind of remember throwing some of them up and I'm pretty convinced that's what saved my life. Um, the next morning, my roommates knock on my door. I answer the door. I look like I'm dying, which I am. Mm -hmm. Um, but to them, I look hungover because why would they think any different? You know, there'd been no signs that I was going to do anything like this. And so, um, they saw me, they said, Oh my gosh, you look terrible. Let me get you a glass of water go back to bed. We'll clean up everything. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I woke back up like probably 3 PM the next day, like one, you know, on the first, um, and all three of my roommates, in addition to going to Pittsburgh also are from Pittsburgh. And so they had all gone home to their family homes just to spend the last few days of winter break with their families. Um, so I was alone in my, uh, dorm room apartment. Um, really, really badly overdosing, um, having hallucinations, talking to people who weren't there, uh, tremors, just horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, food tasted like medication, like I couldn't eat anything. Um, and I just sat there and overdosed in my room for like 24 hours. Um, fast forward like two days, nobody knows what happened. I still in my head have to kill myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm driving on the Pennsylvania Turnpike at like midnight and it's uh, snowing and terrible conditions. And I have my headlights off and I'm going like a hundred miles per hour in my minivan um, and just planning on closing my eyes, taking my hands off the wheel and running my car off the road. Um, My mom and my sister had been calling me because they had been trying to get in touch and they couldn't and they were worried. Um, And eventually, uh, I drove past a pretty terrible car wreck. 
Um, and I saw a guy getting stretchered out of his car and it was, it was ugly. And I saw that and I just said, I can't do this. And so I answered my sister's phone call. Um, I told her what was happening. I pulled off onto the side of the road and, uh, they drove up and got me on the side of the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Uh, they were all in D.C. at that point because my sister lives there. And my mom was visiting my sister. Um, so it took them probably about two and a half hours to get to me. Yeah. Um, and they picked me up and took me back home to Norfolk, Virginia. Wow, that, that was, that was, that was I, I mean, I don't really, I have, not in a bad way, I just don't have words. I mean, I, some, I, in some ways I like relate to you. And knowing that I have someone I relate to is a nice it's, feeling. It's nice and weird because it's, it's like weird. you relate because on a really like, weird level. You're not supposed to relate to that, but no. I do. Yeah. And that's kind of like a nice slash weird feeling. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much for Of course, I'm happy that. to. Um, on another note, um, I would like to pause and thank St. Clair Health for their generosity in sponsoring the first season of Teen Tappen. Teen Tappen, sorry. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving, building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. By creating reliable resources that recognize all of our neighbors with access to the highest quality healthcare, advanced care close to home, and a shared humanity that delivers on our joint vision to create a healthier community for all. St. Clair Health, expert care, from people who care. Um, yeah, so I could definitely relate to a, a lot of what you said. I, I never, um, I never had any active attempts or anything. I just, um, well, to, to sum it up, I had been dealing with um, anxiety like my whole life, OCD. Um, I got my depression diagnosis freshman year of high school, and I, what you said about like you know what if this bus just hit me right now? You know, like I had that. And I remember there's a very specific intersection that I like drive on pretty much every day. And I remember like sitting in my car and like there was this really strange, you know, white van that you think like, well, oh, that's a suspicious white van. Yeah. And I was like, what if there was just like, for some reason I was picturing like, okay, like what if someone just shot me from that car? Like it, it was just very, um, it, it was scary to be thinking those things. And um, I, I, I think where our stories differ a little bit is I really struggled with friendships growing up, like pretty much my whole life. And I really did not think like I wanted to tell people, but I felt like I couldn't because I didn't have close enough friends. Um, and so it never got to the point where I was planning or anything because um, for some reason I felt like it would be a selfish thing to do, if that makes sense. Like, like, like it, no, like I felt like selfishly mm -hmm. physically harming. Like I was telling myself, like, well, I don't want to feel physical pain in addition to mental pain. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I've, and so that's why I didn't do it. And so because I'd already been dealing with all the other mental health stuff, like eventually I started saying like, hey, you know, this is what I'm feeling and I've been getting help for it. But yeah, it's just I um, I can relate to your experience and I'm sorry that 
that you had to go through that because I, I have firsthand experience of how that feels and um, just, yeah, it just, it's, it's just terrifying. It's like the scariest part about it is like, this is something my mom says all the time. Like, it's not like a broken leg where people can see it. It's very much like it, it's, it is in your head, not the way people say, Oh, it's just in your head. But like it, it is, it's in yeah. your head. And most of the time people can't really, can't really pick up on it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm the kind of person who wears my heart on my sleeve and so I would just look sad 24 mm-hmm. seven and I'm like, okay, obviously no one cares about me because they're not picking up. On, they're, they're seeing like that I'm so sad. Clear. Yeah. It's so clear. Like they're, they're seeing that I'm upset and they're not Can't asking if I'm asking. okay. Like, no, yeah. so like what's, you know, like everyone sucks. Like I was so angry. Like, <laughs> I was mad. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, and, and there just, there also like, wasn't a lot of people, I, I, no shade to my school, but like the counselors are there for college stuff. They're oh, not yeah. there for oh, yeah. for mental health. Yeah. The one guidance counselor I felt close to, um, I had in middle school and she passed away from cancer, um, like two a year and a half of me seeing her. Other than that, like college, where are you going? So mm-hmm. yeah, it was just a mess. But um, I listened to your other podcast episode as well. And I think just... Um, I have a lot of respect for you for, um, for doing this, for being so open and honest and brave, because I think it's really going to help a lot of other people. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. And on my note, I also listen to your podcast and I have utmost respect for you because I, there are a lot of people that would not go up and be like, Hey, I struggled with this. Yeah. This is what happened. Well, and I think that's why I did it in yeah. the first place. Um, I realized I was probably in a unique scenario where I could relate that, but also like nobody ever would have thought that it would happen to me Mm -hmm. because this persona is I'm this perfect kid who got a full ride to college and is athletic and smart and, you know, has a lot of friends. And so, you know, when I put everything out on my Instagram at the beginning of 2020 saying what happened, people were baffled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I also. And it's like it's one of those things where if I can make you realize that it can happen to me, it starts to open your eyes and be like, okay, wow, it really can happen to anybody. Because the amount of messages I got saying, oh my gosh, I would have never expected. Well, like, yes, no, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But then also the amount of people who said, hey, man, listen, I'm going through the same thing, who I would have never thought. Yeah. And it's like, okay. It kind of brings together. Yeah, it's like, okay, so I've gotten 50 messages from people saying they're going through the same thing. I would wouldn't have expected any of them. So it's happening to all of us or a lot of us. And so we why all are we feel not like it's not happening to anybody it. else? Yeah. So we all feel like alone, but yeah. we're not even a little bit. Yeah. It's it's yeah. just it's very frustrating. It is. It makes me fired up. Yeah. It does make me fired I up. I think too. it's it's that's what's so hard about mental health is you feel so alone in the struggle when there's and it's an invisible war a lot of the times that people are fighting every day mm-hmm. and you just have no idea what war someone else is fighting absolutely and it takes courage and bravery and vulnerability to talk about it and those skills are a lot of the times not fostered no as kids not as well. in high school it's all about what is your persona um and and i think that a lot of the times leads to 
more difficulties with mental health because there isn't a lot of ways to cope. We don't know how to talk about it. And I think those are the things that um, I'm hearing are some good lessons that um, as a community, as a society, as people, <laughs> we can all work on um, coming together and hopefully improving. Yeah. Um, so Colin, you know, for anyone struggling out there, what, what, what would you like to say to them? So, you know, I try to highlight a few things and some of them, when I say them initially say kind of corny and like, yeah, everybody says that, but like we've kind of hit on a little bit already, you are not alone. Um, you will feel isolated, especially at the beginning. And, you know, when you're really going through the, the oh, trials yeah. of, of whatever diagnosis, or maybe you haven't been diagnosed yet, um, but you are not alone. Uh, there is a community of people who understand and are willing to help. Um, and I know it is scary to maybe ask for help, but um, all it takes is you asking one person and, and that can really change the outlook of your diagnosis of kind of how you're dealing with all of this. Um, so you are not alone. I know it feels like you are, but you're not. Absolutely. You know, I've been in the same situation, almost the same situation as you were. I had notes for families, specific people. Everybody had their own note because I had so much to say and I feel like I didn't have enough time to say it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's really, it's a baffling thing how the human mind works. I mean, you feel alone, but you also know that there are so many other people that deal with this. Like mm -hmm. there wouldn't be crisis lines if you were the only person mm -hmm. that deals Absolutely. with this. Like doing some research, the CDC did a, did a study, uh, and in 2020 alone, 12.2 million American adults seriously considered suicide. And getting rid of the stigma itself, I personally feel can be prevention. The stigma of it not being okay to talk about your own mental health, still being out there, can be contributing to some of these deaths. And personally, I say this with full confidence, there is not one person that if they were feeling like this and they got it out to somebody, they would not be able to be like, oh, I still feel the same. I don't even feel a tad bit better. Yeah. Getting it out to somebody is always going to help, even if it helps only a little bit. And the stigma is more of a really kind of a more of a problem than a lot of people think it is, because it, if you can't say anything, how are you going to get help? You know, yeah. and when you if you like aren't outraged with that, you just simply aren't paying attention. Yeah. And and like you said, I think. I The next thing I would tell people is talk about it. I don't care if Absolutely. it's. I don't care if it's one person in your family. I don't care if it's your dog. I don't care if it's a therapist. I, you know, I don't necessarily advise everybody to do what I did and post it on your social media. You know, that can be a little scary and a, kind of a lot. But, you know, talking about it genuinely helps. It genuinely. makes it, it, it makes it less scary. Mm -hmm. um, you feel less alone, like we've talked about. And so any form of talking about it. Um, on the upper end, you know, like we have, we've talked about going to events and speaking and telling your story or doing podcasts like this. Again, not for everybody. I totally understand that. But just finding that one person in your life that you can open up to, it will help. Mm -hmm. Again, if people, yet again, a lot of people who are going through this, sadly, a lot of people feel embarrassed. Mm. There are 
outlets for people who feel that they want to be anonymous mm -hmm. and they don't have to say their name. They don't have to say where they're from. They can simply just get it out. There are text lines. There are call lines. Mm -hmm. It you don't have to be in person Absolutely. and be like, hey, this is my face, this is my name. Yeah. You know, just getting it out anonymously. Like, I don't know you, but I'm saying it to you, and now I feel better, yep, you know? exactly. Just letting someone know. Yep, and just getting it out in, into the world can really just... Absolutely. It, it, it takes a little bit of the burden off your be shoulders. Be like, hey, I'm not okay. Please, can I talk to you about yep, it? Yep, absolutely. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, I I sometimes tell my clients a lot of the times what's what you're... Your inner world is a lot more scary than when you let it out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and um, I think that can really show that talking about it, it's going to feel scary. Mm -hmm. So nerve-wracking to talk to somebody. But if you're able to do that hard thing and face that and, and still talk about it, yes, it is going to most likely feel a lot better. And then you're going to have that support because we're not meant to go through all of these hard times alone. No. And I think that really, um, I think those two points are really, really valuable and just true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's shout out St. Clair Health one more time. All right. Lastly, this podcast would not be possible without the support of St. Clair Health. Please listen in to the following ad. At St. Clair Health, we're always improving building on our commitment to face the challenges of today, making an impact on the communities we serve so we can be stronger together. St. Clair Health, expert care from people who care. Okay, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much, Colin, for being on this episode with us and sharing your story with everyone. If people want to connect with you after listening, where can they find you? So I have a Instagram for... Um, the fundraiser that I've done in the past and hope to continue to do uh, on Instagram or Facebook, you can find me at run for the 132. Um, you could also email me at run for the 132 at gmail.com. I'd be happy to reply. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit more about your fundraiser run for the 132? Yeah. So super quickly, um, it was an idea that I had that quite frankly was kind of ridiculous and crazy, but that was mm -hmm. kind of the point. Um, I found a statistic that said 132 people died by suicide every day in America. Um, and I thought that was crazy and ridiculous and I wanted people to also see that statistic. Uh, so I decided I was going to try to run 132 miles. Um, it went very poorly. I passed out in somebody's lawn at mile 54, but, um, I raised in the past few years, I've raised $41,000 and, um, I've been able to donate that to some awesome organizations. And so I hope to continue that uh, mission going forward. I can promise everybody I will never try to run 132 miles again. Um, but the idea in, in focusing on that specific statistic that I find quite startling is uh, something that I really I want to continue to do. Yeah, sure. 56 or 54. 54. Still that's, pretty crazy. That's, that's, that's better than good. I can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's more than my one mile. <laughs> Well, Colin, thank you again for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. Um, and thank you to all, all of our followers and viewers who listen and share Teens Tap In. Really, our goal is to simply be a resource for all teens and families to start meaningful conversations and to help destigmatize mental health and increase mental well-being. 
we have some really exciting episodes dropping in the new year. A new episode of Teens Tap In drops every third Thursday of month, and you can find us on Apple or Spotify. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you so much. I loved hearing your story. The views and opinions expressed in the Teens Tap In podcast represent the opinions of the hosts and their guests. The views and opinions expressed by Outreach Teen and Family Services employees, donors, and volunteers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of Outreach Teen and Family Services or the show's sponsors. The content here should not be taken as counseling advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is unique, Please consult your mental health provider or physician for any mental health counseling or other medical questions. The podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing a standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. If you find any error in any of the content of the podcast, please contact us at podcasts at outreachteen.org. Outreach Teen and Family Services, its sponsors, donors, and partners expressly disclaim any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages whatsoever arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast. Please go to www.outreachteen.org to see the complete notice and disclaimer for the podcast episodes.